Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. It's like reporting someone has died. Eventually, you're going to be right with this report. CBS Sports with Joe Paterno. They were wrong. They were wrong. Oh, they were right of it. (laughs) Except if you're the guy working at the Jerusalem Post back in the day and you report Jesus Christ has passed away. Pete Thamel. We should get him a hockey mask and call him Jason because he just keeps coming. He just keeps coming back from improbable death circumstances. And SI's Pat Forty. We are rooting for football, but we are just increasingly unlikely to get football. And here's Dan. Uh, welcome to the pod. Not sure it's going to be the most uplifting one today. I don't know about you guys. A lot of pessimism out there. A little depressing. We're here to uh, to tell you what we hear. And so uh, if you don't want to hear bad news, then I uh, can't really help you. This is not about uh, rooting for the season to end. Far from it. Anybody who says this is easy and they should just play <laughs> has zero sources, no idea who, what they're talking about, and has not spoken to anyone who has to actually try to do this. Like you can't you, you talk to anyone in college athletics and it's like just five alarm fire right now. Right. I, I, it's all I'm hearing is how in the world do we do this? I still remain optimistic that they're going to try that something's going to happen, that this is manageable in some way if you just sort of plow through it. But that optimism feels very naive and I hate being naive. So what do you guys think? Pac-12 shut down the non-conference on Friday following the Big Ten's lead. Patriot League joined the Ivy League in shutting down, obviously, uh, for the fall. No fall sports. Maybe it goes to the spring. We are increasingly seeing high school organizations around the country at least discussing moving football to the spring, really almost all team sports, and maybe just trying to do a fall if there's going to be high school athletics of like golf, uh, tennis, you know, cross country or track and field, things like that, that are individual sports that are played outdoors. Junior college football is shut down until the spring. Uh, obviously, none of those have the financial implications of the SEC, the Big 12 and the ACC, which are still holding firm at this moment. But um Man, everything's nipping at the uh, at the edges. So I'm not hearing a whole lot out there. 
Pete, you're back from vacation. What did I miss? Anything? Gave you some time for some clarity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you hearing? I have gone from pessimism to fatalism, Dan. Uh, I wrote a story uh, It's going to be up on Yahoo on Monday that basically says it's all over but the press releases. Uh, there, You would be hard-pressed to find anyone of any clout in college athletics who would tell you with a straight face that they think there's going to be some sort of recognizable season this fall. Uh, it is complete and utter desperation. Even the people who, like, two weeks ago were trying to, like, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and in, in those types of things. Even they're saying it's not happening. I had one AD tell me, which I thought was a really good line, like there's no path right now. Like if you look and say, okay, we're having a season to fall. All right, what's the path? Like, what's the plan here? What, where, wh how are we going to do this? And there's, there's no good answer to that. I had a high ranking official say, ultimately no one is playing football in the fall. It's just a matter of how it unfolds. I had a coach basically say it's a foregone conclusion. So that's where we are right now. Uh, barring a medical miracle, there will not be college football in any recognizable form in the fall. TV is holding out hope. You know, I had one TV executive basically say to me, like, maybe we play four in the fall and six in the spring. Like they're trying, you know, it's an inventory game to them and they're trying to salvage their inventory. But no one is denying the, you know, the desperation that's permeating through the landscape right now. And uh, it is as bleak as uh, as as I've as I've heard it. Yeah, I hate to be uh, I hate to be doomsday, but that's that's just where the, that's just where the sport is right now. In fact, the most interesting thing I got this weekend was that a lot of people in the NFL are really, really getting pessimistic towards fatalistic about the NFL's ability to handle any kind of a season, which is another story. And I'm sure our friends Charles and Therese are, are handling that. But that that took me aback a little bit. You know, you see the MLS struggling. MLB has been a dumpster fire. The NBA is still tenuous whether the bubble works. And college football, you know, we've said it since March, is going to be the hardest one to do it. And it's uh, it's proving that right now. I had a pretty well, I was talking earlier today to an NFL, NFL, just put an NFL person. And he's like, 10-game season maybe. Maybe they get it. They're going to start. He's, he still thinks they're, they're just going to bulldoze in and go. But how does it make it? And everyone's staring at, October, November, everyone who has a medical group that they are relying on, which all these people are, okay? They're not relying on, you know, the, you know, Eddie at the gas station or, you know, you know, I think Chuck Woolery was making like old game show hosts. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. And so I am fine with that. And I, I like looking at problems in different ways and at different times I've, had different ideas on this, but if you have a medical group, every one of them is seems to be telling them like October 15th, like <laughs> look out. And that's what's scary. They're all like, so what happens then? Even if we start, how do we finish? I've always said, I think they will start. I still think they will start a college football season. Maybe I am stupid, but I still think that there is a will you just plow through, but I don't know. I don't know. And that's the NFL, the NFL, has so much money at stake in playing these games that, I mean, you look at the, the money spent by the NBA to try to get this thing done. Like they are trying everything and it's down to like, you know, how do we slip in the uh, side side girlfriends and the, the weed right. dealer and stuff like, I mean, you know, like they're scared of their, I think the NHL may have the best move because they just went All to right. Canada where there's like 200 yeah. cases yeah. a day. Yeah. They should have gone further. They should have played them all. There's like nothing in Edmonton. <laughs> 
There's been like three deaths in it. Yeah. They're right. They, they have one in Toronto, one in Edmonton. I'm like, you should have put them gone farther. Go to one of those like yellow yeah. knife or something like that. Just <laughs> some, yeah, they got hockey rinks way up uh, there. Moose Arctic Circle. Moose what? Jaw. <laughs> just some, yeah. There's literally Nova Scotia has no never really? had a case. Wow. Yeah, the problem is. Can we play LSU Texas in Nova Scotia? That's what we need to start figuring out. We're all can. Nova Scotia, how do you feel about (laughs) Nova Scotia? We need an importer exporter in Nova Scotia to make this happen. (sighs) We're all going to be Canadian. I'm fine with that. Yeah, the border's closed, but maybe they can. Yeah. So, anyway, who? I don't know. Uh, Pat, what are you hearing? I just wanted to add that NFL thing is, yeah, they're, they're like, all right, but then what? Uh, you know, and I, I think that's maybe your thing. Yeah. Can they get four games in six? Ga- I mean, the idea of like a like we talk, Pat and I talk Friday. The idea of a playoff, like nobody's no. even discussing how's this work no. on the playoff. No, yeah, right. This is the right. snowstorm. If we skid into the driveway at the end of the snowstorm drive, you don't sit there and go, yeah, but oh, can you run out to the <laughs> store like now? <laughs> right. Let's, <laughs> let's get into the driveway alive. And see how much we got in with us. I mean, no. And, uh, yeah, the snow is yeah. picking up. Right, no, it's, I mean, I'm hearing basically the same thing. I talked to, you know, one administrator last week who just said it's inevitable. You know, another one like, why Why are we waiting till August 1st? Uh, I can understand why at least the three three of the Power Five are waiting until August 1st. And I, I know why the they're mad at the other two because uh, the Big Ten basically just said we're – and this is this is college football is there's five mob bosses out there. Basically, they're like, I'm going to do what's best for my crime family and I don't care about your crime family. And so the Big Ten does its deal and the Pac-12 probably had always been somewhat in lockstep with them and said, we're going conference only. And the other three are like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I think the other three will probably try to let this play out further. There is an SEC meeting of athletic directors Monday, but probably not major news going to come out with that. I don't think they're going to do anything definitive. Those three conferences want to take this as far as they can. I think they're all, look, no, none of them are dumb. I think they all say, all right, by August 1st, we're probably cutting bait here and we are pulling the plug. You know, maybe they try to, to go further and actually have games scheduled and play games. But uh, I think they're at least willing to wait that far while increasingly, as to use Pete's word, fatalistic about it. You know, and this again, this is not necessarily a political thing. I talked to a conservative AD who is very much of the opinion we're not playing until the spring. It's not because he hates sports or we hate sports or anybody like that is rooting for the virus. No, nobody's rooting for the damn virus. We are rooting for football, but we are just increasingly unlikely to get football. Uh, You know, the complications are so endless with this that. You know, unless things really, really turn around somewhere in the next couple of weeks, I just think it's inevitable that this is where we end up. And we end up with a spring 2021 season, maybe, and it's a mess. People are playing six to nine games. Most of the top players are not playing at all. Scheduling's a disaster. Trying to run that many sports on a campus is a disaster. TV scheduling is a disaster. Everything's a disaster, but that's going to be a, probably as good as it gets. Sully just informed me uh, via text here that Canada shut down their college football uh, season. Yeah. I got scooped on that. That's and, uh, and Dean Leonard, 
Dean Leonard of the University of Calgary Dinos has transferred to Ole Miss. <laughs> Kiffin working the Kansas, the Canada transfer wire. <laughs> Can he- Canadian transfer. Uh, they got video of this guy. Looks all right. The portal. Seventy-two yard pick. The six portal here. goes across international borders, huh? Hey. Yeah. Good job. Sorry. Uh, you you you're not playing here either. No, I don't know. I hope for Dean's sake, uh, he didn't go. But whatever. Yeah. University of Calgary. I'm gonna all guess right. that uh, there's some uh, certain aspects of Oxford that are more appealing to uh, old Dean than the University of Calgary. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> It's a devil. I, I would think, place I would to think spend game, the day, game day in the Grove has certain advantages in in October, say, <laughs> than, uh, than than the atmosphere at the University of Calgary. A little and less every other face. day on campus. Yeah, yeah, yeah a little less north face, Would little you like to transfer? Dress. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I'll transfer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I don't need a scholarship. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like these 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 ads that are doing this, like they're not. It's not political. They're literally going to just their businesses are going to be destroyed. I mean, I I talked to one in the SEC last week and it's like he called it Armageddon. It's like he's going to have to. I mean, there's going to be staff layoffs. There's going to be coaches fired. I mean, there's going to be budget student athletes are going to lose their sports. Uh, This is not you don't become the AD to like hatchet. No people kneecap people. These are their friends. These and even the big athletic departments have three, four hundred workers. I mean, that's and that's that's the bit. Right. Those are the really big ones. Like these are families. You have these people who are there. They went to the school. They played at the school. They've been working there for 23 years or. And it's like, I'm going to you're going to have to lay these people off. Like this whole thing is a disaster. Awful. Awful. They want to play so bad, but they don't see the path. And so, you know, it's 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 unfair to 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 complain to them. You know, my argument is, well, like, so like, what's, what is it that's, that makes it impossible? Is it like, what's the number of kids on a team that can get a test? And I think that's kind of the hard part. No one has a guidance on it. There's not a plan. There's not a, you know, there's just not a, there's, there's just such concern of how the heck we pull it off. And, and I, and I, and, and then you have university presidents and everyone else involved. There's just no good path for people to look at and say, I think that's kind of Pete's thing. Like, how how do how do we make this work? But what what if, if you talk to guys? What is the the or women that that run these athletic department? What is it that that is the tipping point that's made it so pessimistic? The rising tests, the the I mean, the, the increased death rate, the different stuff, or is it just the fact that I mean, this hasn't died down clearly. There doesn't seem to be any kind of plan to have the virus die down. It's all just live with it. And then these guys can't live with it. I, what, do, what, what are you hearing? That's the the factor that that's getting. Well, I think first, Dan, is just, you know, this weekend we saw the first day of more than 70,000 tests in a, 70,000 positive cases in a single day. So in the heartbeat of college football, Texas, you know, the, the deep south. North Carolina, South Carolina, Arizona, California, the the virus is as bad as it's been anywhere in the country. Houston is basically the new New York, right? Like they're already talking in Houston that they may have to have a a, a two week shutdown and uh, the the governor doesn't doesn't want that. So you're talking about like right in the in the belt buckle of college football, right? You know, from coast to coast where it matters most, the virus is as bad as it's been. So I think that's that's one factor now. And then the other factor is now that these kids are back, 
the reality of students coming back and how many of them, because a lot of these, you know, 70,000, these numbers we've seen recently have been young people have been people who, you know, think they're going to be immune and, uh, and and they make up that they make up that facet of it. I, I just really think as we've pushed forward and as we've seen everything and as they've seen the complications, like I had one coach say to me, like right now, it's not even legal in my state for me to practice because the gathering is like too big and I'm supposed to practice on July 20, whatever, you know, when the, when these guys get back. So. I just think it's an accumulation of different factors from where the virus is to like the to the testing difficulties that, that places have had. Now, look, there's been there's been some schools that have that have done great, you know, like, uh, yeah, they're 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 dead last in the Fauci Cup. Right. There's you know, there's some schools that just have have done this, but like the ability to sustain that when students return to campus. Um, one coach said to me this morning, you know, he said, look, it sounds great in the conference office when you say delay, delay, delay. Well, that's not easy for me sitting here trying to tell 18 to 22 year olds to not do normal things that they do and try to keep them away from their vices. The best way for me to keep my guys to behave is to get camp and start games and give them an incentive. Say, hey, do what you're doing, which is essentially nothing sitting in your dorm and playing video games for the next four weeks while we wait. That's not a good strategy you know, in real time, especially when students return to campus. Yeah, I a lot of what I'm hearing is similar to what Pete's hearing as far as the the, the stumbling blocks. I, I would add to that, first of all, as he did touch on, the just the, the campus environment will become so much more crowded, so much more social in a month. And we've seen enough problems without a crowded campus uh, and without a lot of socializing. The, the increasing number of people, 20 to 29, who are testing positive, although the stories are still occasional. Uh, just any stories that come out of somebody who's 21 who died from the virus, somebody who's 30 who died from the virus, somebody who's on a ventilator at age 27 are real chilling effect. At the back of the mind with this whole thing as well is the knowledge that we are asking largely unpaid, ununionized students to come back and fill our coffers. And there's a lot of presidents that are really like uncomfortable with that. There's some ADs that are uncomfortable with that too. And yeah, you can make an argument that, hey, college athletes have got a pretty good deal. But at the heart of the matter is you are willing to push this thing to a level that makes health experts uncomfortable because you need the money. That's a tough sell at the end of the day. You know, as you said, the, the NFL and even the NFL is having, you know, some some second thoughts on things. But but that is a purely transactional deal between professionals, professional workforce, professional management. This is not the same thing. And I think it's tough for some people to get there. I had one AD, you know, who very much wants them to play. But he said, I hope we're not selling our souls to the devil. I saw this story today in the Detroit News. Like there was uh, there were 40 confirmed covid cases to one house party in the Detroit area. Uh, out just kind of out in the rural area, actually, kind of near Ann Arbor. One party, house party on July 2nd and into the 3rd. It was a good house party. <laughs> made it past midnight. Uh, was not invited. Um, <laughs> the hell, man. 50 people were in attendance, 40 confirmed cases. Mm. Uh, that's college. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. right. That's, that's, that's college, yeah. right? 50 people in a little yep. house. And same bag. Right? That's, and yeah. everyone yeah. crowded around the keg. Yeah. Right. That's, you know, so how do you how do you prevent how do you prevent that uptick? It, you know, it, can your it, you know, I mean, we joke about the Fauci cup. 
you know, I do think that was it's a horrible strategy. I'm, I'm, you know, I get all that. But some of these can't. I think Kentucky has no cases. Notre Dame has like yeah. one case, yeah. maybe none. I don't know. Some of these guys are doing Penn really State, good jobs. Very but how, do they, maybe how does zero, that last? Yeah. Um, and then when everything gets pushed inside, like I think the North is doing better now because we can go outside and eat on patios or can have people over to your backyard. Even young people can do a little bit more. I mean, they talk about the beaches crowded. I always think that's kind of actually not so bad, although, you know, it's built up. But once everyone's inside, I don't know. I, I, I guess there's there has to be a will to barrel through basic to go into a danger level and barrel through it. And the NFL, that will can be there because you have guys making $30 million. Everyone knows what you signed up for, right? Like I have always been, a, I was from the start, a big proponent of golf being played. The UFC, when the UFC was getting crushed, I wrote columns saying, let's go. I mean, these are cage fighters, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They, there's an is, accepted this is risk. What, you yeah. Know, yeah. There's an accepted risk to yeah. the profession. We're not just sending Susie sophomore mm -hmm. out to run, uh, you know, play volleyball or something like that. This is, Jorge Masvidal wants to get into a cage. He he may get his head yeah. kicked off. He also may catch COVID. Yeah. Deal with it. But pretty simple so, testing for but two again, cage fighters, with, too. Right. <laughs> is also right. And if one yeah. guy gets it, they pull him out. That's actually yeah. how the big fight Saturday night happened, right? They just fly another guy in, and you can get an island in the Middle East and put all the people you need. I mean, they have unbelievable, even there, they have unbelievable amounts of, they had 8,000 tests before Saturday night's UFC 251. Wow. They have a safe zone in the middle of the Persian mm. Gulf of a bubble. Like you, they had four planes fly everyone they needed in from around the world. You had to quarantine in your room for over two days. There is testing all the time. It, it is it like it, it's incredible what the UFC has done just to stage these fights that involve ten fights. Is the is the goal? So you got twenty people fighting, a few refs, and that, I mean it's uh, it's incredible amount of effort to do that, and that everybody there is basically like be one football game. I mean you know counting the cameraman, it might be one football yeah. game, one college yep. football game, and now we're going to try to do this at one hundred and thirty places. So, what would you think is? I mean it's funny because early on I thought back in late April, May, there was a lot of like, I don't think this is going to happen. Then there was this part of June where it felt more optimistic, right? People were like, eh, you know, we might be able to do this. And then you had these ridiculous public pronouncements like, we're going to play with 75% of the fans in the stand. But that just all seemed to collapse by by late Ju late June. I don't know. Has there been a change or am I imagining? No, I think the, I think the whole thing has been ebbs and flows uh, to a remarkable degree. You know, I mean, the, the level of public pessimism and or confidence and part of that is somewhat wishful thinking, too, you know, of like, hey, we're turning the corner. Let's just assume we're going to be back to ev everything is normal, you know, in the fall. Um, but shoot, I mean, if you go back like Kirk Herbstreet, of all people, was really pessimistic about this in the spring. But you got to the point, uh, you know, where. Everything started, the, the, the curve was certainly descending, deaths were reducing, and I think, you know, this was more a society as a whole than anything else. It's like, we get to Memorial Weekend, everybody's like, I'm tired of this, I'm going to go out and do my deal. That did not coincide well with eventually wanting to play football in the fall, but I think starting Memorial Weekend, maybe earlier in some places, 
and you start seeing ratcheting up into into summer and people are less and less likely to quarantine and, and do everything that we were told to do. And I think it just there was overconfidence and a lack of foresight. And it has turned into what we're looking at now And some states that just completely opened up willy nilly and let things fly. And now we're paying the piper. I will point out that uh, in in late April, I wrote a we should take a long look at the spring calm. College football needs to look to the spring. And I will point out that one member of our podcast team did gently mock me for that once we got to May and June. I, uh, no, Was that Pat. me? <laughs> what? What no, did no, I say? I, uh, you were you were just you were just like some yeah too early. It's like some people wanted to move into the spring. What a crazy idea! So eventually well, that all that all came back around. But I do think uh, I do think the hurricane it was street, too early at the time. You were, you're you're going to end up being <laughs> right probably, but you were too too early then. <laughs> That's okay. I wrote I wrote the it's column like again. And nobody remembered I wrote it the first time. So <laughs> it's like reporting someone has died. Eventually, you're going to be right with this report. CBS Sports with Joe Paterno. They were wrong. They were wrong. Oh, they were right of it. (laughs) (laughs) Except, except if you're the guy working at the Jerusalem Post back in the day and you report Jesus Christ has passed away. Then three days later, you have to write the whopper of all corrections to end all retractions. Your editor calls you. I swear he was dead, dude. He was dead. I saw him roll He's the walking around. Out of the cave. He's turning. It was over. It was over. He's turning water into wine. How could you get this wrong? <laughs> Jerusalem Post regrets the error. So other than that, that mistake has not been has not been uh, repeated in over two thousand years. That's true. You're always good. Eventually, they're going to die. Anyway, go ahead. I completely forgot what I was going to say now. But uh, <laughs> yeah. we've we've been on a you know a, a collision course for this in, in some way, shape, or form for you know for four months. And I do think it should not be underestimated that a lot of the optimism, be it from universities and be it from uh, athletic departments, was artificially pumped in. It was. Well, we need season ticket renewals. Well, we need so they they just hope is free, right? And they wanted to keep perpetuating hope because if everybody was as fatalistic and pessimistic as me, it, you know, the environment that they operate in and they have to do business in would be a lot worse. So they needed students back on campus. The 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 fallacy of football being on campus when they're there has been a nice lure to try to get students back enrolled and students on campus. I, I had a a coach say something interesting to me this morning. He was like, he was like, look, like, you know, if we're sitting around having a beer, do I think we have football in the fall? No, absolutely not. But he's like, my job is every day I got to get, you know, I got to get my team ready, tested, healthy, pep talk, stay out, don't go out, all that stuff. And he's like, every week that we have more good test results and we announce them, it makes our university feel more secure about its plan to go back. Because at the end of the day, college athletics is a multi-billion dollar business. Higher ed is a multi-trillion dollar business. And so for as much as presidents and chancellors are worried about football and athletics and all that stuff, that's like 5% of their worry. Their biggest worry is how they're going to deal with the financial from limited students on campus, limited dorms, limited capacity, you know, obviously declining. I mean, the places that are overloaded right now are community college because everybody's sitting back and just trying to take classes online. Your traditional higher education uh, places are, are you know, those those presidents are really feeling it. So I think part of the, the voodoo of pitching a no- fall of normalcy was having the potential of football be available. 
Yeah. And as big as college football is, and, and I still think this is why there's a chance that they, they play this because it is big, but you can see why Harvard and these Patriot leagues and they bail quickly because their president is sitting there going, I, yeah, I can't worry about this. I'm trying to figure out how we continue to charge somebody $65,000 to live in a dorm that we have to try to make safe and take online classes and try to, I mean, this is the higher ed bubble is like, okay, you, you pay that money to take, especially freshmen, you know, history 100 and that, econ 101. How good is it? Right now you say, well, what you get is you get off to college. It's the experience. It's moving out of the house. It's, it's the whole campus experience, but like, why would you, spend this money. And that's parents everywhere are trying to deal with that and saying gap year or we're just going to stay home or, Hey, they got econ one hundred at the local community college and it's, you know, 450 bucks. Uh, that's what we're going to do. So it's, it's, it's just such a trying time. So you can see why those, um, however, you know, college athletics, you know, what are we going to come back to? You know, all of that. I mean, these things are hard. I, I wanted to get to this one thing that the NBA is doing in, in, in this, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but part of their restart in Disney World is they've set up an anonymous hotline for anyone inside the right. bubble to 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 report if they've seen anyone else violating the rules. So you can snitch. It's called the, the, the players have started calling it the snitch line. You can call the snitch line and say, you know, presume I saw LeBron and Anthony Davis, you know, sitting right next to each other. Uh, discussing something, right? They need to be six feet apart. Or, you know, I saw, you know, who knows what else could be happening in the bubble. (laughs) Leave it to your imagination. Who else can get in the bubble? Yeah. So our Chris Haynes, a great NBA reporter who is inside the NBA bubble. He is bubble bubble bound for a few months. Mad respect for Chris Haynes and all of the NBA reporters who are going in there for three three months. Uh, he uh, has sources that have said the snitch hotline has not been utilized yet. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> so I have a lot. I am the one. Remember oh, we did I, the tuna fish thing clearly. the other day? Like, I don't like the tuna. <laughs> what, what's one of the tuna companies snitched yeah. on the others? Yeah. And I, I, now I yeah, can't remember, but I'm not buying that tuna One of the tuna anymore. companies called out Bumblebee and whoever else was on the wrong side of it. Yeah, I think Chick. Chicken of the stars, chicken of the sea. sea. Anyway, I'm on the non-snitch. No snitching. (laughs) So I much respect for the NBA. However, if this was college football had the snitch Uh hotline, okay, who is the most likely coach to snitch about another school, you know, report that, Uh uh, hey, Ohio State had a, they were at the frat, or, you know, Michigan went to that party on uh, July 2nd. I mean, he's not a coach anymore, but on the 16-year anniversary of Phil Fulmer not going to SEC media days after he snitched on Alabama, (laughs) that has to be him, right? uh, He's just snitching. Yeah, he might be snitching. I'll tell you who it is. Or uh, Hugh Friesen is, you know, please email us if you've seen any violations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the all-time press My God. Please, please contact yeah. our. So, who is the snitcher? Who would, who could we not trust? Because so far, NBA players, they're that's a band of brothers right there. They are sticking together, no snitching. Now, maybe no violations too. We don't know. Dave Clawson. Um, I do, I do think LeBron James will literally beat the hell out of whoever breaks this <laughs> bubble because he's like, this is my last shot of the title. Practically, <laughs> we're doing this. It was, it's, it's Dave so, Clawson from Wake Forest. 
Remember when he, he blew out Louisville <laughs> because their uh, radio guy gave Louisville their game plan and he went public with it? Oh, right. Didn't they leave behind Wake, the game uh, plan? No. Yeah, Wakey the, leaks. The radio they, guy the, called ahead. The, the, the radio guy, like, sat in, you know, with the coaches on what they were going to do and then got a hold of his buddy who worked for Louisville and said, yeah, here's what here's Wake's game plan. And he did the same. He, like, called Army, too, and told them what, what Wake was going to do. So... Why was that guy doing that? Did he hate Wake? I'm not sure we ever got a good explanation on that. I remember trying to reach the guy to see if he would, like, you know, unburden himself on what happened, and I never heard back from him. Yeah, he was the color guy. He played there. He was, like, a fairly popular local local guy. I remember trying to reach him too, Pat, um, (laughs) as we were working for competitors at uh, at the time. Yeah, he's never talked. He's just – but he does – the last I heard of this, he does live, like, in Winston-Salem, right in the heart, so of the Wake Forest still community. does. So like huh? he's, you know, like so his kids are playing little league with the coach's kids and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, it's uh, needless to say, it is uh, it is quite awkward. Yeah, my most likely to snitch would be Frank Solich. He just doesn't care. He's <laughs> just like Sol- old, old seven-year-old codger. He just <laughs> is like, yeah, whatever, man. I got run out of my shot at the big time. The program's falling apart since. I think Frank Solich would. Uh, would roll on anyone. <laughs> Frank Solich. <laughs> Literally out of nowhere. Like I forgot Frank, Frank Solich, Solich was still coaching. I, so much less think of him as the dime dropper. He's wow. <laughs> he doesn't care any. He is just down there coaching his players. I, I visited with him a couple years ago and I was down in Athens. He's just living a nice life. He doesn't, he's not tapped in. What SEC yeah. coach would be most likely I mean, to call the snitch line? Uh, I think it's Lane Kiffin. <laughs> it's always the projection. Yeah. It's the projector, right? Well, that's Kiffin did. Kiffin it's did like, turn in Florida for what he thought was violations that weren't, if I remember correctly, and that's one of the reasons. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah, that's one of the reasons Mike Sly came to dislike Lane Kiffin so much. He, Lane Kiffin accused an anonymous woman he didn't even know who runs the fax machine at the Pahokee <laughs> High School, right? Of basically cheating. <laughs> And then they went and found, you know, Miss Jones down there in Pahokee. And she's like, <laughs> what's it? What? He accused, yeah, he's always been dropping dimes on everyone, whether it's true or not. You know, he's calling that thing in with like a, you know, a towel over the thing. <laughs> you know, you just sounded like AOL dial up, Dan. <laughs> yeah, it was like, a, you know, a big party in Alabama, <laughs> big party in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Absolutely. Nick Saban's three, he's at Nick Saban's lake house. Not enough socialist. <laughs> he dime them all out. That's my thought. The snitch line. Like could be the greatest thing the NBA oh, the college, ever created. College snitch line would be priceless because I bet college coaches are going to call the NBA <laughs> one to report like Rick Stansberry showing up at the bubble with like McDonald's All Americans in the trunk of his rental car. <laughs> uh, the uh, yeah no the, the 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 number of college coaches you talk to who want to dime out other college coaches, but they're afraid to do it publicly because then they'll look like they're, you know, weasels, basically, is is large. It's so all of this, them, actually. Yeah, well, right. All of them, all yeah. of them. Why don't you look into yeah, this right. thing? Oh, like, yeah. well, what do you got? Exactly, yeah. and that's, you know, well, yeah, they're they're tampering with our guys. Well, why don't you say it publicly? Well, I don't want to do that. You know, you get that all yeah. the time. All right, a little bit of news Monday. Uh, JT Daniels, transfer from uh, USC. To Georgia was received as uh, 
Immediate eligibility. He is eligible, and he says he's looking forward to the 2020 season. I think the NCA was going through the uh, process and just said, give it to him. Like, just let me know what 2020 season. Go ahead. You can play right now. Get a game going Saturday. You're you're eligible. I just wonder. Yeah. Give, if, if there's a season, though, good for Georgia. Very, very good for Georgia. You got a quarterback battle now between him and Jamie Newman. Two good, good, good players. Uh, but I just wonder now if you just simply if you just like email a picture or send a send a picture of yourself holding up a sign that says COVID with your transfer waiver <laughs> files. I just go, all right, approved. Well, this is You're the in. easiest one of all time. Of course, JT Daniels is going to get eligible. Do you think Clay Helton is going to endanger the modern day pipeline? They've sent like eight quarterbacks yeah. to USC in the last two decades. Right. Do you think they would do anything? Right. They were, they like US Clay Helton did jumping jacks on his desk and said, I ran off JT Daniels. I treated him like crap. So he could get eligible initially to not endanger that pipeline in the future. I mean, it's the biggest. Clay Helton doesn't move. get to make the decision though, Pete. Clay Helton doesn't Correct, make the but decision. Clay Helton can make the decision of how to frame it. And it's, yeah. if you frame it as a runoff, you the the guy gets eligible ninety nine percent of the time, just like how Tate Martell got eligible. Ohio State was like, "Yep, he, we didn't want him here. He wouldn't play. We ran him off." You know, um, this the same thing happened in uh, in basketball with the Quade Green, the point guard from Kentucky. Kyle Perry called yep. him a runoff, and he got immediately eligible at Washington last year um, until he got himself immediately uneligible uh, by academics soon after. But the uh, you know that is a big piece of it, and the coaches who fight it. Harbaugh's fought it. Chris Peterson notoriously fought it with uh, Colson Yankoff, the the quarterback who went from Washington to UCLA, which is why the whole transfer thing is just a ruse and they need to just let everyone immediately eligible because the strategy to do it. Look, if us three dopes can figure it out, it's not going to be that hard. You know, you don't have to pay some lawyer six hundred dollars an hour to, to tell you how to do this. Well, yeah. But going back to what the NCAA almost did, but didn't they, you know, they they came this close to making transfers immediately eligible in the spring but then they said basically we can't deal with this now we're going to kick the can till january they probably should have just done it then you know uh i i can understand given everything else that was on their plate and remains on their plate why they were a bit daunted by that but it would save the the hustle and the scam of trying to decide who gets a waiver and who doesn't get a waiver this is particularly the time everyone needs to be eligible look here here's this much if they're going to play college football this fall and that is still officially the plan. They need like rosters of like 120 no, kids. Oh, for sure. No doubt. Okay. The Forget NFL has shirting. a smaller roster, but there is e- there is even discussion of, you know, expanding the roster because we're going to need 65 guys. And then they can consistently churn new guys in off the street. There are people out there that can play. Uh, so it, that's their big concern. Run out of players. Well, college football, you can't just invent a new kid. So, Everyone ought to be out. I mean, this is all hands on deck because we have yet to get to the next stage of this. And that's the player saying, I'm out. And it will happen. And it will happen on high-end guys and it'll happen on low-end guys who are just going to say, I'm doing it. Because we've seen this in the other sports. Uh, You know, you can have, again, you can have that love of college football, but what you're getting this fall is not college football like you signed up for. Empty stadiums. Who knows how many games? Let's forget it. I'm staying home and working out. I'm going to go to the NFL 2021 or whatever. So they need everybody eligible. They need to be 
you know, no, 105. Yeah. You, you want, like I said, no red shirts or very, you know, I think nobody's going to go in thinking we're going to redshirt gonna, people. You're going to be looking for walk-ons, et cetera. It, full boat. Everybody go. We're going to try to make this. Yeah. This is not the time for, for whatever little playing level playing field. Get the, all the Canadians can come to <laughs> Ole Miss. We'll take all of like Canada. All eight of them. <laughs> yeah, every every guy. Well, I mean, there's a whole University of Calgary team. This guy wasn't alone on the team, and they were playing somebody else. My Prove extensive it. knowledge Prove of it. Canadian college football. <laughs> well, somebody threw the pass that he picked off and took 76 yards. So they're bring them all. We'll take if you play football in the world, come play college football. We need thousand yeah. guys. We need. We are all yeah. right. Sure. Let's get them. If Ole Miss doesn't cancel the non-conference schedule, I mean, you can use the Canadians against Southeast Missouri State and Connecticut and Georgia Southern, <laughs> but the dude from Calgary is not getting on the field uh, against Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, and the Egg Bowl. Come on. I don't think you saw this highlight. It was pretty nice. This kid looks all right. Okay. By the end of the year? By the end yeah, of the year, maybe. In. At the Egg Bowl when you got 47 I mean, guys in uniform. Okay. You're cracking the old Miss lineup. This isn't the New England Patriots. <laughs> and you may need him to I mean, fight in the Egg Bowl. He may not play, but true. there's guaranteed to be some kind of fight in the Egg Bowl. And, and you're, you can do an improper <laughs> touchdown celebration, whether you're Canadian yeah. or you're from Mississippi, right? That you can you can pee like a, a fake dog or whatever. Whatever, anything's possible. Let me ask you guys this: So, since we've all become infectious disease experts the last four months covering this story. Um, how do you think the NFL manages to play? Like, I thought about this this morning, like, as I was talking to some NFL officials about, like, how daunted they are. Like, how is the NFL really different than college? Meaning, like, they can pull this off while college can't. They keep bringing new guys in. And their their, their guys go home to big mansions. It's easier to social distance. And they're paying them. And you just do it. Now, is the season going to be totally wrecked and wild? Yes. Right. Hey, can't wait for tonight's game. Patrick Mahomes against Lamar Jackson. Uh, no, uh, they're both out. Or, you know, Tom Brady's got to play against an offensive with an offensive line. You just barrel ahead. That's the way. How are any of these things? I talk about the factories. I, I think I mentioned the Ford factory the other day. Like it shut down every three days and then they then they start back up. They you, you just keep going because we have to build cars. That's it. So it's really that mentality to me with the NFL is we're just going to keep going. Is the union in favor of that? Is what, where are we at with all this? I don't know, but it's was college sports able to barrel on like that. And what do you do when your campus is going to be overrun with coronavirus? That's, that's the thing I hear is everyone's like, this is going to be a disaster. Once, once the kids come back, that's to the thing is it, it's so, you're at least in the NFL, you are not tethered to a college campus or to higher education, neither one, you know, so you've and you're out two right. weeks now. Is someone going to get sick and and be on a ventilator? Yeah, I don't you no, know. That's the thing. And that's where that's, but, you know, the serious illness is the potential deal breaker for you everyone. Can, you can catch it everywhere. Right. Though. Yeah. Some random Louisiana Lafayette safety ends up on a ventilator and. The lights get yeah. starts. Flick, 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 flick. You don't talk about dominoes. Like you, you know, it would be deafening clatter. But did he catch it playing football, or did he catch it going to college? No, I don't think it did matters he catch it? because he's going to be back on campus trying to play football, and he's probably going to end up, you know, like in theory, maybe giving it to some other people. But I just think 
if there is a college football player in a hospital, God forbid, who passes away, like that's going to be the, the, the woe moment. Like the, the NFL executive I was talking to today was just like, I don't want it. You know, they're going to have, you know, they're going to have 90 people in NFL camps in the next, what, three weeks. And he's like, I don't, that can't happen on my watch. My career's over. I, I don't know if that would be fair, a fair story, but it will be a story out of, you know. All right, I wanted to get to this while we can still talk about a yep. season, in case it happens. Non-conference is gone, okay? Let's say they play this thing on and we don't have the non-conference. Uh, at least, I, I'm going to say all of them are going to be gone, but let us they really need that flexibility. I think there's one misnomer out there that I wanted to repeat from the other day. What I'm hearing, maybe you guys are hearing different. It's not that they don't want to play the non-conference because they think it's an they're, they're more likely to catch a virus breathing on each other if they're playing the University of Toledo or something. It's they want the, the scheduling flexibility to move stuff around. Is that what you're here? That's what I'm yeah, hearing. Yeah. Is it's as much about flexibility as anything um, else. I'm hearing both. Um, yes, I, you know, I think that certainly both are both are factors, and maybe the flexibility is a bigger factor, but it's also a more polite factor to bring up than the fact that basically saying we don't trust Toledo to bring a completely healthy team here because they want the $1.4 million check that they're getting uh, or, or 800,000 or whatever the case may be. So the big 10 testing protocol is one thing. The Mac might be different. The Sun Belt might be different. And as one AD put it to me, you know, we, we can't guarantee that, that they're going to test the same way we test and bring the same level of care and concern about it into our stadium. Blah, blah, blah. They just don't want to pay them. And health and safety is a, 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 a gussied up PR vehicle for, for flexibility and nimbleness because the same way you could play an eight-game schedule in the fall within your, own, within your own league, you can just flip it to the spring. And so they're basically banding together and using health and safety as student-athlete as the, the vehicle to, to put it out there. I, I agree. Like I had one AD tell me that he was going to – pay that school's doctors to go to the one double a school they were going to play the fcs school they were going to play and test them before the game that way that like they knew there wouldn't be like mass virus spread when they when they opened the season with uh, with them so that is certainly a concern but that's not the overriding concern the overriding concern is we got to get some games in it's going to be easier if we all do it together like you know let's go Fewer games, more flexibility, and you're right. It's no longer worth paying someone 1.4 million if I have no Correct. one in the stands. That's a huge and factor. no one paying parking. I had a, so now this game is a lost dollar instead of a yes. made dollar. I had a, co a coach say this to me, and he was chuckling as he did. He said, "I cringe when I hear administrators saying that the health and safety of student athletes is first and foremost." No, it's not. If it was, you would have punted the season already. It'll be very like yeah. One of my daughters is going to play seventh grade CYO volleyball. I'm guessing that season will be canceled if it already hasn't. Because who gives a crap? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> there's no money at stake. Why would anyone play CYO volleyball in the set, right? Don't care. So, all right. So if we have no non-con, though, let's say this goes through and they can pull this off. The winners and losers of not having to play non-conference college football. Now, the most obvious choice is the University of Southern California. Yeah whose season now no longer includes playing Alabama and Notre Dame. And now their season is kind of, boy, a lot more manageable for the Trojans. Thoughts? Uh, Nobody yeah. wins off seasons like USC. They have won this <laughs> off. They lost five games last year. Like, sorry. Well, the, like, the, there's two they can't yes. lose now. They yes. were going to lose, no, and they're not. They, 
they are they are the undefeated offseason champions. Like, remember when Mac Brown was Mr. February when he was at Texas when he couldn't win the Big 12 early in his career? Like, nobody has owned an offseason like Clay Helton. They're recruiting, ranking this, and transfer that. No. I, I'm... I am going to buy USC the, the day I think Clay Houghton is a national championship caliber coach. And that day has not come yet. And I don't think that day is going to come in the future. It doesn't have to be a national championship caliber coach to win the Pac-12, though. I mean, And he's won the Pac-12 once. Yeah, he has. Yeah, but they, I mean, they are clearly, and that, that's the thing. Clay Helton could get his ninth life, you know, here where everybody's been waiting for him to get fired for two years. He could get another year out of this because... Uh, you know, coaches on the hot seat might be the 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 safest they've ever been because of this. Because a, the, the tumult and the money uh, are both more than people want to take on right now. You know, I mean, if, if if you're going to hemorrhage money from not having a season or having a partial season or having no fans in the stands or whatever, well, you're not going to go pay X million in buyout to fire somebody and then X million more to bring in somebody else. Clay That's Helton a- could live on. Yeah, we should get him a hockey mask and call him Jason because he just keeps coming. <laughs> he just keeps coming back from improbable death circumstances. Now they Clay Helton makes in last reported tax documents or whatever about four million a season. I believe he's guaranteed for three more seasons. Nobody knows if that entire contract is guaranteed, but certainly a big chunk of it is. And you got to remember they bring in Todd Orlando, they bring in Craig Niver, they bring in uh, the the guy from Oregon, uh, Dante Pimpleton. They bring in a bunch of these coaches who have to be on multi-year deals, right? So my rough back-of-the-napkin math on what USC would have to pay Helton and the staff to go would be easily over $15 million, probably closer to twenty. All right, let's end with this. I, I consider this an uplifting story. All right. Uplift Others this, may please, disagree. Dan. Yeah, because it's been a yeah. depressing one. This is a, this is a, the against all odds. We're all f- uh, familiar, uh, maybe not our younger uh, audience of the uh, the Rambo franchise, Rambo of the movies with uh, Sylvester Stallone. He was a uh, a Vietnam veteran who basically somehow lived in the woods of w- state of Washington, I think, and alone managed to like kill <laughs> thousands of federal officers trying to catch him. I don't remember really the plot. I just remember him always. Yeah. F- they'd send fifty guys at him. They would all shoot and miss. <laughs> <laughs> And Rambo would shoot them all with one shot or with like a, a bow and arrow with like a small nuclear device attached where he got these things. I can't remember. Anyway, the Rambo was the true anti-hero or hero. I don't know what he was. He was the hero. I don't know how you became the hero killing all the uh, soldiers, but they did. Sort of like in Star Wars when the, the stormtroopers yeah, never hit anyone. Every like, great action movie is built on one premise. The bad guys can't shoot straight. <laughs> yeah. They never, they never kill the guys. They get a million shots. They always He's, miss or they nick them, wound them, and then miraculously that wound is gone in eight minutes. The dark side was able to build that entire space uh, station and, 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 uh, while floating in air. <laughs> Yet they never could train their stormtroopers <laughs> to shoot. It's like building a submarine underwater. <laughs> yeah. How do you do this? And they did it, yet they never spent the time on just basic marine training. So anyway, one more reason why America is the greatest. I hope we don't become uh, like a movie right. review this podcast. My... That would really be depressing. Because like we're, we're anyway, this is a long yeah. s- prepare, prepare. <laughs> we're like three of the worst yeah, pop culture yeah, people well... in America. So <laughs> Yeah, really. So anyway, I'm bringing up a, 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 a and Sully, our young mm-hmm. guy, he's the one who brought this to my attention. Anyway, Rambo lives. Rambo is alive. 
uh, my favorite news organization, AFP oh, News. Yeah. It's the second yeah. week in a row we've had my AFP buddies. News. German police, backed by helicopters, are hunting a homeless man in the Black Forest who is armed with pistols and a bow and arrows. Mm. The manhunt was launched in southwest Germany. Media reports say Yves Rausch, 31, wearing camouflage gear, disarmed four police officers on Sunday after threatening him with a pistol. They are warning public and aircraft to avoid the area. Beware, wanted man has several guns. Local driver's been warned against picking up hitchhikers. He is uh, hiding out in the, uh, in the, getting searched on by helicopters, our, our military. Everyone is trying to chase this guy in the Black Forest, and they have not been able to catch Yeeves. Are you rooting for Yeeves or are you rooting for the cops? What do we got here? <laughs> homeless man. I mean, I guess you have to be homeless. Rambo is homeless, I guess. I mean, I think that's a... Well, it's kind of a mean term for the guy. Survivalist, I think. <laughs> be nice. Survivalist. Very good. He's trying to stay away from COVID. He's social distancing, and he doesn't want anyone <laughs> near him. He's pulling out his guns. He's back away. I'm not bothering anyone out here in the woods. Why are they hunting well, this guy? They have all sorts of questions. Uh, hey, and he disarmed the cops. He didn't oh, yeah, kill so, the I'm cops. I'm sorry. Right? He, so has, he disarmed them. So he's not. He didn't. Previous offenses, <clears throat> including illegal possession of firearms. Yeah. So, okay. I guess there's that. I'm still, no, I'm rooting for Eves to hunker down in the 2,320 square mile black forest and never be caught, ever. I hope he lives out there forever, becomes like the legend of the woods, uh, doesn't shoot anybody with his guns or his bow and arrow, and uh, they can make they can bring out Sylvester Stallone at age like 83 to make the movie about him. I'm rooting for college football to come back because if we're after like break down Rambo one compared to Rambo two, it's going to be a pretty dark time on this podcast. Tell the truth. Have you seen any Rambos, Pete? I have likely seen a Rambo in the 80s, but it is like deep within the recesses of my mind and long forgotten. Like I know like Rambo's the guy who just kills everybody. That's about all I can give you on Rambo. I see him not with like the bow and arrow. Though. I see him just like a, with a like a machine gun with like bullets flying out of it. That's that's my image of Rambo. Yeah, not, kind of not much more. Apparently Sully likes Rambo. I'll take Charleston okay. Rambo, the right. Oklahoma star receiver. That's that's the Rambo I want. Anyway, in the magic of the internet, I now have, but through three clicks, have now have his mugshot. Oh, really? Okay. That's, you never know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all in German, but oddly, he's wearing an <laughs> earring. Well, I didn't think Rambo would have one earring. I didn't. That was nothing against the earrings on guys, but I thought that was. Maybe he's just an 80s throwback. Anyway, don't blame the old guys on the show. For this reference, it's Sully's did you fault. see Sully like settling in on a Tuesday? Like, do I watch like the Tennessee national championship game or BCS title game from 1999, or do I watch Rambo Two? It's like he's like flipping back and forth. Like, all volunteer fans are stuck in the 80s and 90s. It's really no lies detected there, Dan. Boom, got him. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's the end of this podcast. Uh, more uplifting tales. The state of affairs in college athletics coming up uh, later this week. Oh, boy. Buckle up. Talk to you guys later. Please subscribe and uh, leave us a nice review. See you.
I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.